Welcome to Two Guys Talking Youth Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about youth ministry culture, leadership, and strategy, led by two local youth pastors, along with other youth leaders from around the country. Now here's your hosts, Matt Willingham and John Kilowatt. Hey, what is up, everybody? It is Two Guys Talking Youth Ministry. I'm John. And I am Matt. And we are here with you today. We have got a treat for you for this podcast. We have got one of our good buddies out of Green Greenwood Grace down in the Indianapolis area by the name of... His name is Andrew McGuire. And listen, not only are we excited because it's podcast day, it is... Drumroll, please. I don't know if you can hear that drumroll or not. It is March Madness Thursday. That's all I'm saying. Quite possibly the greatest day of the entire year because it honestly is the only day we can have basketball on in our offices and not get yelled at. So um, so with that, it is a phenomenal podcast we've got in store. We had Andrew uh, basically call us in, like conference call us in, and, and he is phenomenal. He's been at his church. He'll give you his backstory, but he's been at his church for right around two years now. Just come up maybe a little bit longer than two years, and, and what he's done in his two years of youth ministry at his church it has me and Matt thinking we've done absolutely nothing in youth ministry whatsoever. So um, so real quick, I just want to make sure, if you got any questions for us, um, if you got any ideas, any topics that you would like to hear us podcast, again, you can hit us up at anytime at john at essentialcoaching.us and matt at essentialcoaching.us. Um, you'll get some of Andrew's contact information. Hey, give us some feedback. Tell us what you think about it. Tell us what you think about the podcast, any individual episode. We would love, we would love to get in communication with you. So with that being said, Matt, let's jump right in to this podcast. Hey, what's going on? It's uh, Matt and John, two guys talking youth ministry, and we're here with our man, uh, Mr. Andrew McGuire, uh, we know him because he's in Indiana now. He's one of the Indiana guys that we get to hang out with. And uh, so we know you a little bit, Andrew. I know there's probably some people listening. They have no clue who you are, have no clue what's going on with you. Uh, so before we get going today, talking about how to navigate through big shifts, um, maybe just introduce yourself, tell a little bit about your life, your ministry, what's going on with you. Sure. So yeah, um, like Matt said, my name's Andrew McGuire. Um, actually, I serve a youth pastor position in Greenwood here in Indiana, uh, Grace Assembly of God. My wife um, and I are both on staff at the church, which is pretty awesome. She's the assistant uh, and I'm the lead youth pastor. So it just works out super well. I grew up, most of my life was in the ministry. My dad was a, a youth pastor, then became a pastor. Uh, we lived in Arkansas the majority of my life, and so I just kind of grew up in the ministry mentality and um, just got to learn a lot, kind of got to experience a lot. So whenever I went to college, Bible college, to study um, ministry and graduated from there and just immediately became a youth pastor in Arkansas for a couple of years. So it's kind of cool to have my head in the game before I actually was in the game, if that yeah. makes sense. So then you know, graduating college and stepping into youth ministry. We were in Arkansas actually uh, for a year and a half. Um, I was a youth pastor by myself for a year and then my wife graduated and we got married and then she was there for six months. And then we transitioned here to Grace in December of 2015, which, so two years ago, which was crazy. It was a, it was a pretty big move away from family. My family was in Arkansas. Um, and so her family's actually in Wisconsin. So we moved a little bit closer, but still nobody around us. I, mean, yeah. I don't know anybody. So it's kind of a, 
a huge shift in our life, but you know, God was with us and, and here we are two years later, loving it, loving life. Um, actually my, my family just moved to Lafayette, Indiana last year. So that was crazy. So now they're up here. Um, so God's been doing some great things, but that's kind of the history of my life, uh, who I am. So anyways, I'm 25 years old, no kids yet, but, um, working on it. And got that shoe game on point. I noticed your kicks all the time, bro. Your shoe game's on point. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, uh, so it's good to have you uh, today on Two Guys Talking Youth Ministry uh, with us. And we're excited. And today, again, we're talking about how to navigate through big shifts. And immediately, uh, the reason our mind went to you, Andrew, is some of the things you just hit on as you've navigated you know, through some big shifts in your life. And he's a fellow SEC fan. Yeah. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta give, I gotta give love to my SEC. It seems people. to me that's the only people you have on. That's the only <laughs> SEC fans. That's, that's no, like man, criteria, criteria number one. We had Jonathan. He's a Duke fan. That's like a huge oh, yeah. no-no, and, and we yeah, had him yeah. on. We didn't know that till he was on. <laughs> that's so true. Um, well, man, let's kind of get the conversation going on on how to navigate through big shifts, and maybe we'll start off the conversation with this, Andrew. One of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons some people don't ever make a big shift. And again, we're not necessarily just talking about a big move with our family and, and but big shifts in, in, in ministry in the ministry context. And we'll talk in a minute about one particular big shift you've made in your youth ministry. Um, honestly, man, it's just it's just motivating yourself to even get to that point to want to make a move, um, whatever that move is. How, how do you maybe talk personally, maybe talk what you've seen in, in your sphere of influence? How, how do you start right there and motivate yourself to want to make a big shift, a big move. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as ministry or personally, like our move to Indiana. Yeah. Let's, let's maybe start there personally and then we'll go to the ministry context. Oh, wait, so you broke up just a little bit. I'm sorry. Let's, let's start there personally about, okay. about just sure. a big move you made personally in your life and then we'll move it to the ministry context. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we were in Arkansas and that's where I grew up. I mean, that was my, my kind of homeland. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of connections there, knew a lot of people. My dad was there. Um, but the cool thing about it was, um, you know, like God started opening a door and we didn't necessarily know, should we walk through this? Should we not walk through this? So we kind of just said, Hey God, like if you continue to open up the doors, we're going to continue to walk through. I mean, we're not going to try to open the door ourselves, but if the door opens, we'll walk. Um, and so it was, <laughs> it was intimidating uh, quite, for quite some time. You know, I remember having conversations with my wife and just, you know, I was crying. Like, is this, I mean, do we, do we move where we don't know anybody or do we, it's comfortable? And um, we were just at the point where God was kind of allowing some things to, to line up for us to make a shift. And so we, we took our hands off of it. And like I said, if God, if you, if you open that door, we're going to walk. And so basically what had happened was to, give you a shortened story. Um, we're in, we're in a mentoring group called the cadre, which, you know, some of you may have heard of with Jeannie Mayo. And, um, we met a youth pastor there, uh, who is in Indiana, uh, Josh Mullen. And he was like, Hey, I know this awesome church that is looking for a youth pastor. I think you guys are awesome for it. And we kind of gave him the, you know, we'll pray about it kind of language. We we're like, ah, you know, okay, well we'll pray about it, but you know, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> A few weeks later, he contacts us. He was like, hey, just send me your resume at least. So we sent him our resume. Didn't really think anything of it, but about a couple weeks later, we got a, a 
email from our pastor now just saying, Hey, like, you know, I heard about you guys. We're looking for a youth pastor. You know, would you be interested? We're like, not really kind of like the, we'll pray about it. And, um, then he contacted us again and I just had a check in my spirit. Like, you know what, we should, we should check this out. You know, if, if God opens the door, we'll walk through. So we had a conversation with him and, and the doors just opened and, uh, we had a big decision to make, you know, are we going to follow the voice of God or are we going to follow what's comfortable? And it was a huge change, but you know, I'm a strong believer that whenever, um, you know, God opens the door for, for a shift, you have to be willing to walk through because if you try to stay comfortable, eventually it's, it's going to become a hard process. Yeah. Right. And that's, and you said some, some good stuff there. I know sometimes when it's ourselves personally, like you said, Andrew, it's yourself, it's, it's maybe you and your wife, maybe, you know, kids are involved. So you're praying through that. You're walking through that. Now look in the ministry context of, of big shifts. Cause you inherited, you know, you go to a, to a youth ministry that I think the youth pastor before you had been there, I think seven years. Um, there's a youth culture there that's been established, you know, a little bit. And I know you begin to make some shifts of some things for youth culture that you want to see there. And what is the youth culture, you know, that we bring to the table. And so now you're not just involving you and your wife. You've got, you know, students involved. You've got a lead pastor involved. There's youth leaders that have been there for involved. What, what were maybe – Maybe maybe two or three major things that y'all y'all sit down and you begin to talk about, and as we're shifting this youth culture here, what are some two or three things we definitely must do during this time? Sure, yeah. Um, well, whenever we first came on staff, they had been without a youth pastor for close to a year. Okay, uh, and so that was. I don't know if that was intentional, but it was really smart because it allowed for us to be able to make changes without without people getting hurt, you know, I mean, because if, a, if, a, if, a, if somebody leaves and then somebody steps in and starts making changes, yeah. kind of throws people off. Right. Um, but if there's a big gap and people are ready, it kind of just uh, gave us the flexibility to be able to make changes. And so whenever we came in, you know, we realized that, you know, what God has, has done here has been awesome. But we also told the students and we just communicated that, hey, just because what God has done, it has been awesome. There's, there's always a next step that God's wanting to take. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we put on a big night and we called it chapter two night and we just talked, um, shared how, you know, the first chapter of the student ministry has been awesome. Like God did some incredible things, but this is a book that we're writing. And, um, and so now it, it's a new chapter and we get to write it. And so that's kind of where we, you know, did the name change and put some new elements in, but you know, I think it's I think it's critical for us as youth pastors or you know leaders in any organization to understand that we can't become status quo. You know, we always have to be willing to notice that there's something that needs to happen next. Yeah. Uh, because whenever we become com comfortable, we become you know complacent. Uh, it it cuts off the things that God wants to do. Yeah. And so we recognize coming in like, hey, like we can continue to do what's always been done, or we can recognize that man, culture is shifting and, 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 and God's has a, a, has a new plan, not necessarily to get away with all the old, but to walk in something different. And so yeah. we just try to keep that at the front of our mind. We don't want to become status quo. We want to be able to walk in, you know, the direction God's leading. Yeah, that's good. You got to uh, follow up. Well, yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Like to consider, like you go in with a game plan, 
So that was a big part of it. And like you said, you, you don't necessarily obviously want to ruffle feathers when you come in. So were there any other like specific, like when you and your wife and you, you, you showed up to grace, were there some things that during that shift you, you knew that you did not want to do? Like for instance, like we're, we're making this shift. Like we might be trying to figure out like what the culture is in this community because going from Arkansas to Indiana, especially, especially Greenwood, which is, you know, in the Indianapolis area. I mean, the culture is probably different. Um, the community is different. And so I'm sure you're wanting to learn that. Were there some don'ts that you guys said to like, listen, we don't want to do this, or at least we don't want to do this right away. What were some of those things that, that you had to navigate as you kind of stepped foot into that, that scenario? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, the, the city that we were in in Arkansas, it was, it was a smaller town. It was yeah. a, farm, a farming community. So yeah. it was quite that's a bit. A lot, that's a lot different, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, whenever we came in, um, we tried to, we tried to, you know, play some steps well. Um, so yeah. we, we went to our pastor and we kind of gave him our game plan. Hey, this is what we're thinking. W what do you think? And I think that's a huge key is yeah. anytime you're navigating change, you got to go to your leader and, you know, share with them kind of what God's doing in your heart. That way they can say, Hey, like, I believe this is a good move. Like, I believe this is for our church or yeah. they can say, Hey, like right now, as the lead pastor, I know that our culture right now wouldn't necessarily accept it. And so we did that a lot. I mean, we went to him a lot. And there were some things that he was like, you know what, this probably isn't the best time for that because of X, Y, and Z. Or yeah. he would say, hey, like, that's, a, that's smart. Like our, our family, our church body, they're ready for that. Let's do it. For instance, the name change. Yeah. Uh, we came, they were ready. So we did it pretty quick within a couple months. Yeah. So we, we did that. And then we also set up some key meetings with some of our leaders. We just, you know, we pulled them together and said, hey, like, this is what we're thinking. What do you guys think? And uh, they gave us their feedback. But then another big element that we put in was we, we recruited uh, and we had our leaders recruit about 15 to 20 of our key influential students, key leaders that are students. And we pulled them all in a meeting and we said, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is the direction that we're headed. We need your support. And so we allowed them to have feedback. But then in the end, we just said, you know what, because this is the direction we move, we're moving, we need you on this team. Like we need you to help spread the word to, yeah. to bring life to where we're headed. And so that helped a lot. And so I would say the number one thing is to always communicate with your leader about big change. And yeah. they're going to help with direction. They're going to help because they know best. I mean, they're the one that you know, I believe God is giving the most voice to for the organization for the church. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. How, talk about that, Andrew, because I know us sometimes, you know, we'll, you've been in circles, sure, I'm sure that uh, too, that, you know, we hear people, man, I wanted to do this, and a pastor said no, and, you know, gave me this reason. Talk about that too, of just, you know, the, the difference in, uh, in having some wisdom there of understanding what you said, that, hey, there's, they're not saying no because they're trying to kill your dream, but they're saying, hey, not now, because they understand they've been there longer. They see things, like you said, that maybe we don't see. And just how, how someone needs to be more submissive and, and maybe walk through that relationship. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Which is not something we like to talk about. Youth pastors particularly, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a guy. I love 
I love change. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoy change. I don't know if it's, you know, being young or millennials or what, but I, I love change. Yeah. So anytime I see that something's not working or I see somewhere it's working better, I want to change it immediately. Mm-hmm. But the thing is my pastor always tells me, and you know, you may have heard of this, but it, it always just speaks so clearly to me. And that is whenever you make a big change in an organization or ministry, it's a lot like a huge boat, right? Like it takes a long time to turn around. If you try to turn it like on a dime, it's going to fall over. You're going to have people hurt. You're going to have people injured. There's going to be a lot of damage. But if you take it slow, people will be ready. And so I've tried to walk in my pastor's vision of that and say, hey, like on a scale of one to 10, one being pretty small or 10 being this is a big change, Mm -hmm. where what kind of boat are we in? Are we in an eight, you know, yeah. boat that is huge, it's massive, and we have to take it slow? Or are we in kind of, this is like the, you know, this is a small change, so we can we can make it pretty quick. Right. Yeah. And, and I try to walk by that and, and being submissive to his leadership by understanding what, what size of boat that we're making a shift in. Yeah, I like that. That's good. So looking at it on that scale of one to 10, because like you said, the one and the twos, threes, almost like a speedboat. You can turn it on a dime, you know, like, Hey, we want to get rid of this signing table right here. You can do that next week. (laughs) You know, Hey, we want to revamp our whole youth ministry room and change the name. That's an eight or nine odd day. That one. It is. You walk in, the students walk in and youth ministries change. Nobody knew about it. Yeah. You're going to have some problems. (laughs) Talk about to them for a second, Andrew, the difference maybe, you know, when it comes to, I, I'm a, I find myself maybe a little bit more in the middle. I, I appreciate change. Sometimes I let the analytic analytical side of me uh, drive people around me crazy because I'm wanting to make sure it's a measured, you know, a measured move, a calculated move. So maybe talk about the difference in being patient and then procrastination. What even in your own personal life helps you move in between those of like, yeah, I need to be patient, but at the same time, I don't want to procrastinate too much and not make that move. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, man, there's so I like what you said about being measurable and understanding kind of where you're at when change needs to take place uh, in the analytics because that's we have a lot of systems in place and those measurements help. Uh, and there's moments where you know I recognize that we have like 10 changes that we need to make, yeah, and and for my personality, I want to make them all at one time. Right. Let's just do it. But I recognize that there's a lot of people that they're not going to make the jump. You know, they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to hang on as, as we make those turns. And so what we do is we, we take, you know, those 10 things that we need to change and we, we say, okay, what is, what needs to happen right now? Like, where are we at in this season that this, is, this takes priority so we begin to prioritize our, our shifts yeah. and so rather than it become something that we're procrastinating on once we have a deadline we have a, a time and a place of whenever we want to make that change change that shift that takes the procrastination out of it because gotcha. what i find is, what i found is you know you have all these changes that you need to make there's things that you're like oh well i'll, I'll do that next week and then next week comes oh well i'll change that next week like we'll get to that later down the road Um, and so then we forget and that's how it becomes procrastination. But so anytime we have a change or a shift or we see something that needs to be made different, we'll write it down. Um, and then, and then we'll keep track of it. Okay. When's the deadline that we want to make this happen rather than, so it never becomes, uh, pushed off. It's something always on the schedule. I like that. 
And how do you even, how do you even categorize, that's really good what you said, Andrew. How do you even categorize those, all right, hey, there's these 10 things. Is it, is it the time thing of, oh, I can change four, five, and eight within six months? Or, or, or do you look at it and how do you ca- ca- categorize which one you want to change first like the, as you start to process that? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it starts with obviously marking which one is a huge shift and which one is a small change. Small changes, you know, you can put those in almost any season of the year. Yeah. But as a big shift, a lot of times we, we like to do it in two, t- two areas. One, either at the beginning of the school year, mm-hmm. because that's when our students are coming back. So it's kind of a fresh thing or at the big, be- or at the beginning of a calendar year. Um, and so every February actually, so uh, whenever we first came, the first February is whenever we launched our, our new name, our new logo. The second February that we were here, so 2017 would have been, we um, we launched our tribes, which is our our small groups for our student ministry. And then this, this past February, so two, a month ago, yeah, a month ago we uh, made the shift to Sunday nights Um, and so moves like that those are huge moves so we try to keep them in two areas either at the beginning of school year or at the beginning of the calendar year but anything smaller we break up into seasons based on how busy we are so if we know we have camp coming up obviously we're not going to make it we're not going to even put a small move around there but if we have an open gap we'll try to make a little shift with those smaller changes if that makes no that makes sense and maybe just for those people who are listening Give a couple examples of what small changes in, in your context looks like. Like we talked about the big ones. You talked about the youth ministry name change, youth change sure. night, which I want to talk about in a minute. But just give an example, some small stuff that you've worked in and out throughout your calendar year. Definitely. Well, I think a small example, this is pretty, this is pretty small, but for instance, like a, a stage design. Um, that's yep. something that, you know, it needs to be done to give students a different look, but at the same time, like that can kind of be done at your leisure. Right. Um, another small change is, is we, we've started a different process of discipling students. So it's something our leaders know, but our students don't know. So I, we feel as if it's a smaller change because yeah. only our leaders know about that. And so that's something that, you know, we can kind of put into a gap of, uh, of busyness. Whenever we're less busy, we can begin to launch that discipleship program. Another thing that we did uh, about a year and a half ago, I think, was we launched a VIP party during our service. Uh, that's not a huge change, but that's something that's small enough that we can kind of put any week, any 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 you know Wednesday or Sunday that we desire to, and it gives um, you know it's not yeah it's not a big shift. So, anyways, those are a couple uh, examples. Okay. Yeah, changed. I like that. Let's let's dive in a little bit, and and I knew this about you, and that's one of the really bigger reasons I wanted to have you on too. Is I knew you just went through a huge uh, shift, and you moved. Uh, how how long was the student ministry? I know it's been before you there. How long has the student ministry in in Indianapolis where you're at? I've been meeting on Wednesday night. Oh well, since since forever. I mean, okay. the church has been the the whenever pastor Wayne came, he's been here for, I think 19, 20, 18, 19, 20 ish years. Um, and so ever since they've had a youth pastor, it's been on Wednesday nights. So. All right. So we're talking about a 20 year yes. golden calf, whatever you want to call it. 20 year, uh, <laughs> 20 year monumental thing that you're about to ship that you are about to shift, uh, on your watch less. And you've moved now to Sunday nights. You've been doing that for how long now? 
Um, Super Bowl Sunday was the first night. So. Okay, Super Bowl Sunday. That's a good Sunday to launch, too. Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk, let's talk about that, that shift. Now you're a month in, and I hope you, know, you could be honest with us and look back and say, man, I would have done this different, maybe that different. But maybe what's, what's some things looking at that? What led you, number one, to want to make that shift? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things that led to it. The first one being our church um, is, is moving to all, basically all small groups throughout the week. So yeah. we had a Wednesday night adult service. Um, now it's just it's small groups throughout every single week. And so we're not doing an adult service anymore. So that was kind of a probe as well. But for us, as far as a student ministry, we just had a lot of students who they just couldn't come. You know, they had um, competitions, practices, um, you know, you name it, work, everything, homework. I mean, everything was going on Wednesday night. Just, it's not sacred anymore. And uh, I mean, even the Christian schools here, they have banquets and, and practices on Wednesday nights. And so we were just like, Hey, you know, we can continue to meet on Sunday nights and continue losing the students that we're losing, or we can make a shift and try to grab those students that can't come on, on Wednesdays. And so, um, Sundays is basically one of the only free nights. I mean, Fridays, students don't want to give up their Friday night. Um, I really don't want to give up my Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Sunday, it's already a, a kind of a minister minister day. It's like a ministry yeah. component. You have church Sunday morning, and, and then, you know, you just come back Sunday night. So it just kind of works well, and, and we've seen it work super well. So those were the two biggest reasons of us yeah. making the shift. You hit, you hit on something good. Go ahead, PJ. Well, I was going to say, what was your, <clears throat> your plan? Like, what was the timeline of your planning for that? Because I know you said, like, when you've got a big shift like that, like in general – what was what was the timeline of your planning? Now, obviously, you mentioned like you want to go to you want to go to your key leaders, your adult leaders, and then you bring some of your key students in. What did that timeline look like for somebody that that maybe wants to make one of those big shifts? Maybe not specifically, you know, shifting your service night, but there's something in their mind right now, and they're like, "Man, that's about as big as what I want to do," or something. Like, what did that look like for you? <laughs> yeah, so about a year ago is whenever I first had the conversation with our pastor, and um, it 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 was kind of like uh, he was kind of open to it, but at the same time he was like, like that's that's a change. Let's talk more about it. And then about in August of this, past- that way that would have been about that would have been a half a year into you guys being there. Would you say like maybe about six months, or was that? Yeah, six to eight months, I would say, is whenever we started. Yeah, talking. so again, that that might be fit into like the not yet things, like <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Culture and okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and so in August of 2017, so seven months or so ago, um, we had a, a really, you know, long conversation about it. Like, is this something we want to move towards? Is this something we want to go after? And then in September, we made the decision. We're going to move to Sunday nights. Nobody knew except the pastoral team, uh, myself, my wife, and a couple other staff members. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in, I think it was November, uh, it was announced on a Wednesday night. uh, We had like a celebration. Anybody who wanted to come, it was like a small group celebration. So everybody came and our pastor shared that night. He was like, you know, great students will be moving to Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. And what that allowed was it wasn't, we didn't announce it at our youth service. We didn't announce it on a Sunday morning. It was just people who wanted to show up that night. And so um, word started to get out. 
And I, I started to have initial conversations with students just to say, hey, like, this is what we're doing. What do you think? And there were those who said, well, I think it's a great idea. And I was like, all right, like spread that word. There were people who were like, I don't know how I feel about it. And so I would just try to show them, well, hey, we get to get more students. Like we get to reach out more. Like it frees you up. Like you don't have to come on with anymore. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I kind of heard that. And eventually by the end of it, they were like, oh, that's a great idea. And so I was like, hey, go spread that. And then we approached our leaders and we said like, this is the shift we're making. Now we need you guys to be on board. If you're not on board, this is an opportunity for you to you know, step down if you're feeling disconnected or whatever. But if you're ready, like, can you, can you help having these conversations with students? That way students aren't just hearing it from the stage. They're hearing it personally, one-on-one from that's their leaders. Yeah. That's really good. And so, and from peers. Yeah. So that's kind of the timeline that was, that started in November. And so that continued from November, December into January. And then yeah. the first Wednesday of January is whenever we announced it to our student ministry. Yeah. Gotcha. So about a month before we to everybody, but yeah. by that time, everybody, they just knew they already knew. Right. right. Yeah. And I love what, I love what you just said, Andrew, how they're hearing it from the stage, but then they're starting to hear it from their peers they're starting to hear it from their leaders, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So like you said, it's so inundated with information and with the move already that then when the, finally the big announcement came, they're like, well, yeah, we knew that already. Like, right. Exactly. Like everyone's caught up by now. And you probably got more cheers than you got. Oh my gosh. What the heck? Yes. That's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> now, Bob, so let's talk about that that particular night. By the time you got there, what what was the overall feeling of of that move? What John just mentioned was it a lot of excitement? Was it still some stragglers? You know, again, doesn't make them bad, but you were still saying, "Hey, you know, let's bring you along." What what did that night by the time you got there look like to make that announcement? Yeah. Well, I would say on that night, probably seventy percent of the youth ministry knew. Okay. Uh, and I went to a few students before and a few in all of our leadership team. I went to them and I was like, hey, like whenever we announce this on Sunday or on Wednesday about moving to Sundays, I was like, I need you to be the loudest people in the room. Like I need you to make people be like, well, I might not like this, but I'm going to love it because they're screaming for it. You know? <laughs> hey, whenever I announced it, I didn't I didn't sense any any type of resentment or question or wondering like because it was so loud people our leadership team a few students they started cheering and like everybody was just like yeah we can't wait like it was awesome yeah so it worked out super duper well um and i think it was just because of the conversations i was willing to have my leadership team was willing to have that just paid off in the end yeah now you now looking back and then this is where we're going to ask you to be really honest with us andrew looking back now as you went through that process what's maybe and listen, I know you're super sharp, so you might have hit a home run and there's nothing. But what's maybe what's maybe one or two things? Maybe there's three, maybe there's a handful. It could be big or small. But looking back, you're like, man, when it comes to particularly this big shift, but it, it would work in the context of anything, I would have done A, B, and C different. Was there anything like that that kind of sticks out to you? I know I'm going to make you do some self-reflection live right now. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, I mean – I would say the the biggest thing to to do when making a shift like that is is to really figure out the best time that's going to work for for people um, because we we go from seven six to seven thirty and if I was doing it different I probably would have approached people about what what time okay 
give me some feedback on time because uh, I have some people that you know they they can't come that early or or they can't come that late and so yeah. um, just trying to trying to find the perfect time uh, would be would be really good I mean only being a month in there's not a lot of things that I have seen that have like suffered obviously we lost some students that can't come on Sundays because of work, but yeah. we gained more students. That's than awesome. we lost. And yeah. so right now I, I haven't seen a lot of issues on having it on Sunday nights or things that I would do differently other than that time. Um, but I'm sure as I go down the road six months from now, I'll be able to look back and say, yeah, it, we should have, we should have yeah. done. So. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to, and, and the heart behind it, and I know this about you, Andrew, cause we've got to hang out a little bit too. And the, and it, Correct me if I'm wrong. I know probably how you communicated to people was we're not changing just to change. We're changing mm-hmm. because there's more people outside than there is inside. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, you hit on it earlier. I mean, uh, you know, even, even living in the Midwest, I've now been here for gosh, 17 years, even 10 years ago, Wednesday nights were sacred in the South. Totally different. Like church night is church night. They don't do anything, you know, in the South on church nights, but yeah, 10 years ago, Wednesday night, Thursday night, some of those nights were sacred, but anymore, yeah, it's just the middle of the week. There's always something every week. And, and the biggest reason that you did that move was to say, Hey man, we, there's more fish out there we can go catch, you know? And so even talk about that, like, like how you had to approach your leaders and your students, even with more of the evangelistic mindset, sometimes that I know sometimes it's so easy to get in the seat and get comfortable and say, man, we're here, you know, we got a good size group and, having a good time, small groups, discipleship, all that stuff's happening, worship. But even maybe talk for a minute too, just how you had to turn everybody's heart that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish I could have told you I planned it like this, but <laughs> um, we had, we've all year long, we were, we were talking about the second part of the gospel. Uh, you know, that we're not, we're not just called to, to know God, obviously that's number one. We're called to have a relationship with him. But uh, the second thing, part of the gospel is we're called to, to share with the world. And if we're not doing that, we're not fulfilling the gospel. And so, which is a tough one to swallow, but I mean, it is what it is. And so I just, I communicated that in every single one of my messages I shared, you know, that we're not just here for us. Like we're here for everyone. And, uh, and so as we made that shift, it just opened up the door to say, you know, Hey, this is why we're doing it is because it's the second part of the gospel. We want to reach everyone. Yeah. Not everyone can come on Wednesdays. Not everyone can come on Sundays, but yeah. a lot more people have the ability to come on Sundays. And yeah. so I just shared that, you know, and it was pretty awesome how it worked out. We started a, um, a campaign or I don't know what you want to call it, a push. And we started a hashtag with GS is for everyone. Great students is for everyone. Everyone and so as we made the shift to Sunday nights, you know, we told people like we are for everyone, um, and so it ended up working out extremely, extremely well, um, and and it has been an evangelistic approach because now students are bringing their friends that that couldn't come on Wednesdays, they're bringing them on Sunday nights with them. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. PJ, what you got? Um, I think like from what it sounds like, Andrew, like you came in, you came into grace just super intentional on making sure you hit the ground running. And I guess like the first, I guess like the first six, you know, we, we see each other, you know, youth pastors see youth pastors at different things, you know, um, 
you know, maybe like retreats or conventions or events. But I think the first time we experienced, at least that I experienced um, your guys' ministry afterwards would have been like youth camp. And one of the things that was like really striking to me was the fact like your leaders were all like really, really connected with each other. And that was, that was impressive to me because um, I've been, I've been doing youth ministry at our church at, at Heartland, at least I've been doing it for what, like 12 years now. And everybody that I've seen, almost, I can say almost every single youth pastor that's come in and come out through different churches, their biggest obstacle years, maybe even one or two years into starting a new church has been battles with, with youth leaders that were there before they got there. And we, we didn't see, I didn't see that with you. And, and what it sounds like is you really, you came in knowing like, I need to make sure that, that, that I get everybody everybody moving in the same direction. And it sounds like you do that with your small decisions, uh, your big shifts, your small shifts. Can you maybe share like, <clears throat> and maybe you've already done it and, and maybe just maybe kind of like put it together for me. Like what was, what was your strategy with doing that? Cause for me, like that's the biggest shift is getting everybody on your boat, you know, making sure everybody's on yeah. the same boat that you're on. What, like, what did you and your wife do to make sure that you had that before you could do anything? That's good. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, we, uh, when we first came in, we, we pulled all of our, our youth leaders together. And the first meeting that we had, it was just a celebration. We, uh, we told them how much we're grateful for them and they didn't, they didn't even know us. And so for us to be able to say, Hey, like we're grateful for you, it was kind of a big deal. And so we, we gave them all, um, like one of those huge, like railroad track, uh, nails and we had a letter tied to it and it just said, thank you for holding down the fort. You know, like you're in this season of transition a year long, like these leaders were in it, you know, yeah. just we're yeah. without a leader. And so we just told them, Hey, thank you for what you've done because of this, you're, you've set up success for where we're headed. And so immediately they were like, well, snap, like, yeah, let's do it. Like I've held down the fort this long. I can, continue doing it. and so, and I mean, we told him, we were like, Hey, like, if you feel like, you know, you gave it your all and you're ready to step down, this is no hard feeling. Like this is a moment for you to do that. And so that helped a lot. And so anytime we, we make a change or we, we bring something to somebody, we, we try to do it three ways. First of all, and you may have heard it before we approach them and then we applaud them. You know, we thank them so much for what they're doing, how awesome they are. And then, and then we ask them or share with them what we're doing or bring the change ahead of, you know, up to them. But, um, and so we do that. And then I, I always try to make sure I give people the why behind the what. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. We're making a move to Sunday nights. You know, I could just leave it at that. Hey, we're meeting on Sunday nights starting in February. And then people will either be upset or happy. Yeah, yeah. Or I can say, hey, we're making a move to Sunday night. And this is why. It's because we get an opportunity to reach people we haven't reached before. Yeah. And in the end, after sharing that, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I can be on board with this. But if I just give them the what, you know, it's not, it's not going to be as helpful. And so we always try to give the why. Anytime there's a what, this is why we're doing it. This is why, this is why, this is why. Dude, I love it. The why behind the what. Mm -hmm. Not only was your leaders on point, I got to say it again, that shoe game was on point. I noticed it at camp, bro. <laughs> I know, I know. 
You're the you're the you're the reason I've had to spend a lot of money on Bro, shoes. My got, wife won't talk to me right now. We had now. to get our shoe game matching yours. <laughs> oh my god! Listen, oh. man. We I will tell you what I want to do, Andrews. I want to have you back on another podcast episode. We've talked about it several times about small groups and the small group model that you particularly have, and even the the model. We won't dive into that, but do I just do want to put it on 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 blast for everybody to hear that we want to have you back because what you're doing. It's really cool, man. I, I love that. But maybe what's some final thoughts, Andrew, and you may not have any, but is there any final thoughts you want to share with somebody? Maybe we haven't asked you the question for you to share it, but when it comes to navigating through these big shifts, anything else you want to leave us with? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. So one is always anticipate and know that change is going to happen. Um, you know, change is inevitable. It's, it's going to happen, and you can either be on board with it or you can try to push up against it. And, you know, for me, an example is I hate flying. We just flew out to Las Vegas the other day. I absolutely hate it. And uh, as we were sitting there on, on our flight, the flight attendant came on and like, it stresses me out. Like I have to take Dramamine. It's not cause I get sick, but it's just, I'm, I get super nervous. I hate, I hate flying. And so uh, anyways, the flight attendant came on and he was like, hey, like you can either, you can either stress out and land safely or you can relax and enjoy the flight and land safely and i remember thinking like you know what i'm the one bringing this stress on me like if i would just relax and enjoy it then then it would be okay and i i feel like that's how we need to be with changes change is going to come and we can either stress out and we can hate it and we can resent it or we can recognize it and say you know what this this is going to be good and i'm going to walk through it with confidence boldness and i'm going to relax during the process because ultimately God's got us. And, um, and so I would say always anticipate change, know it's going to come and then adapt to change, you know, adapt to change quickly, you know, recognize that, that whenever change comes there, there's going to be a moment where that shift has to happen. And so you have to be ready for that, that moment. Um, and if you're, even if you're on a big shift or a big shift, a ship, yeah. Yeah. On a big ship, uh, there's going to be a moment that it's turning. Right. And you have to be willing to allow it to turn. Yeah. Um, and so letting go of, of the path that you were on and recognizing that, oh, it's time for a new season and going with it. So yeah. I would say the, the two final thoughts is just understand change is going to happen. Enjoy it. Enjoy those moments, um, those moments, and then yeah. be ready whenever that does come. Dude, I love it, man. Good stuff. And I've realized Andrew and I can never fly together because I'm no. the same way. Like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't comfort <laughs> yeah, each other, bro. I won't even sit with him anymore. He won't even, he won't even sit <laughs> on the flight. It would never happen. Listen, hey, if people want to hit you up, man, maybe they you said some stuff and they're like, hey, I want to reach out to Andrew, maybe pick his brain a little bit more. Number one, if you're listening, I encourage you to reach out to Andrew. Super sharp guy. Him and his wife, Bo, killing it where they're at. How do they get in touch with y'all, Andrew? Yeah, so a few different ways. Um, obviously, social media. Um, you know, you can follow me. It's Andrew W. McGuire. So Andrew and then W, so two W's, McGuire, M-C-G-U-I-R-E. Uh, you can find me there. Um, you can email me at, um, uh, well, we'll do it. It'll make it easy. Andrew W. McGuire at hotmail.com. So you can email me there or you can, I'll, I'll just give you my cell phone number, shoot me a text, you know, call me up, whatever you, you feel like doing. But my number is 870-687-1357. Um, and again, 870-687-1357. So hit me up, let me know, and I'll, I'll be glad to 
you know, try to try to give you any insight I have or lack thereof. No, man. Listen, y'all make sure those of you listen, make sure you hit this guy up. He's super sharp. Him and his wife both are amazing, killing it. And how to navigate through big shifts, man. You've done a good job with us, Andrew. Want to thanks for hanging out with us today, my man. Appreciate you. Thanks, bro.